0: Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Fearon. This is really an opportunity for us to listen to a theoretical thinker, my son Dave, thinking as he often does very deeply about why things happen the way they do in a systemic way, systemic way, conversation, looking very, very closely at things that happen as people interact with each other. That's a practice of conversation. But perhaps the practice of thinking theoretically, of pondering, of willingly entertaining, different ideas than the mainstream about any particular subject because they bring in a different philosophy or a different science, then that's what Dave is doing in this conversation and helping his old dad learn something, again, something new in this case. We started with a focus on Ilya Prigogine, who was uh, that kind of thinker, I guess the conventional would be, oh, well, he didn't think inside the box. Prigogine probably would say, no, there is no box. (laughs) And there's no such thing as status quo either. So, Hey, listen in, see what you think. Now here's the point. See that you do think. I'm saying that to myself because that's what my son Dave has asked me to do. Think. Folks, one of the most uh, enlightening aspects of this podcast series comes in the conversations that I have with Dave Jr., uh, who is a sociologist, uh, recovering sociologist, as am I, And uh, But it gives us uh, a perspective on everything that we've talked about in the podcast, including practice and the context for practice and the way that practice um, is focused through conversation, all of that. So the other day we were saying, hmm, what else, Dave, other than George Herbert Mead, still sticks with you after all these years that got you thinking about uh, what we call social inaction or what you call social inaction. And you said one word. What was that word? Prigogine. <laughs> Prigogine. <laughs> Which I may be pronouncing wrong, but. Well, who knows? He's been we'll dead see. a long while, so he's not going <laughs> to get upset with you about that. But yeah, t- talk a little bit about that. Help me. Dave, folks, he's he's instructing me. I, I do remember something of him, Prigogine, when i was studying and and uh among the philosophers but i sure that wasn't as influenced as as dave has been so let's let's talk about Prigogine. yeah
1: and this might be a little more of a of a lecture um to the extent that i've pulled it pulled it together uh after not thinking of him for oh i i can now i now remember where i first heard the name uh, and there was a book called the aquarian conspiracy that was very popular oh yeah in the i would say it's the early 90s maybe the very end of the 80s Um, i should have it here in front of me then i would remember the name Um, a a woman i believe her last name was ferguson that was a um a a book yes Marilyn whispered about yes um yes Marilyn ferguson i remember the last name it was it was um um and it She brought together a lot of really interesting ideas. I would say it was one of my first um, introductions to systems theory in general. I would say going, and and this would have been, come out um, around the time I was actually first published in 1980. So I was probably picked it up while I was still in college, Mm -hmm. which went up through the end of the 80s. And then um, I don't think I picked it up in high school, but I remember just vaguely an interest in such things from debating um, evolution um, and creationism with one of my friends in high school got me into uh, <laughs> extra deep into evolution theory mm-hmm. and in um, a general interest in, in systems theory, I think so. And so as I was picking up in college, uh, uh, social psychology and neuro neurophysiology and looking at George Herbert Mead and, and those areas of philosophy um that that book was interesting and so i picked up i uh, looked into prigogine at at that point and also um i i think read some of his original works but also wrote books about his works um a, a guy named eric jantz uh j-a-n-t-z yeah, was, was one well. uh it's the self-organizing universe i believe was his book and i spent a lot of time with that yeah and and um so i think that did really was a foundational idea that then kind of I, I lost track of. But um, I, as I, I was doing the, the continuing with Mead and, and George Herbert Mead and social psychology and then getting into um, conversation dynamics and, and sociolinguistics and then social applying into social organization. And So by the time I was developing um, the dissertation work that I was calling Social Inaction, Mm -hmm. it was there but i think the ideas have um faded a bit so but then i so i as i recalled it i i picked it up again got his book out of the library watched a couple of uh neat uh youtubes of his lectures in later years yeah um so kind of got back up to speed so why why is he interesting um well who is he first he's um he was uh Uh, Born in 1917 uh, in Moscow, uh, just months before the revolution. So his family fled Mm -hmm. um, uh, to to Germany, but then to Belgium. He was mostly raised in Belgium. His father was a chemist, and he he became a chemist too, um, but got into uh, teaching, I believe, early on um, and taught in the U.S. for a while in the 60s. Um, And then I think... um, uh, uh, finished all his career in, in Europe but he's he's best known for receiving the Nobel Prize in chemistry in 1977 and the work that earned him that prize uh was his work on on what he what he called dissipative structures hmm. and as as a uh, new uh, um um empirical approach to thermal the thermodynamic systems and what happens to systems that are far from equilibrium state
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, applied initially to, to chemistry but um, also works we will talk about very well for biological systems neural systems potentially social systems what was his first name by the way um Ilya, so i l l y a and then the last thing is Prigogine P R I G O G I N E yeah. so it might be Prigogine in 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 um uh, Russian but um I think the 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 French usually call him Prigogine yeah so um um so it, he I didn't look too much into his influence, but I, th- I think he's had a strong influence in system dynamics um, overall, comp- both computational, probably more in material sciences. But mm-hmm. um, I-, I think it's gone on to be, um, you know, a, a large field in in much more complex, especially computational um, uh, systems dynamics that one can be found today. Um, but I don't know that there's been a deep application of the, its implications for so, social interaction in the social world. Um, his later works looked at culture and, and, mm. and organizations to some extent and applied the ideas. But I think it fits very well with what we've been talking about with social inaction. Um, and, it, and I think it fits into where Social that's the social action approach does more widely as to maybe giving a more of a theory to organization where, or you know, the classical business organization theory or, or organizational behavior, I think, is, has been kind of a hodgepodge of theories, uh, yeah. from sociology and elsewhere, but really, yeah. um, I wouldn't say it settles. I, I don't know. Maybe there's been some changes in the last thirty years, but not that um, I'm aware I, of. But. I don't think it's really settled on the notion of what is the core of human group organization. Right. Uh, I don't think what we'll talk about today actually answers that, but it does. It addresses a few very crucial things, such as um, what is a system, what, how does it apply to organizations of any sort, but particularly for for human groups and group life. How does a system change over time? Can that change be predicted? Can it be adequately modeled by knowing the relationship of the system's parts and how it changes over time? Is it actually uh, something that could be predicted or even understood fully, even very simple systems? So if organization theory uses a the metaphor of systems which i believe it, it often does yeah um is it possible that their basic theory of systems is maybe completely wrong or just doesn't have a basis in what's even applicable to the physical world uh, because it's using even as a metaphor it might be using some Ideas that simply don't apply to living systems or brains or how people interact with each other, and and I think as we go through Prigogine, you'll see some some basic uh, 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 findings when you look at even super sy- super simple systems such as the flow of chemicals in a fluid. Yeah, which is where <laughs> the, it is has started. Yeah, yeah, you start to see. Um, an empirical basis that maybe we can pull all the way up to, to the worlds we live in. So, hmm. and, and it gives some um, interesting uh, ways of coming at some of the other aspects of social inaction that we've been talking about. So it's just a, a quick refresher of what, what we are talking about with social inaction as a way of, of ex, um, expressing, um, you know, the practice of organizing socially Mm-hmm. of Of talk and intera- interactions, looking at those those ongoing moments of people as they're actually engaged in talk and social interaction um in any moment and arguing that this is in a an empirical basis for social organization it's it's empirical in a literal sense of being observable right you know it it can be observed people engage in social interactions and more than that the participants in themselves are literal literal observers of each other mm-hmm. and how does that matter as part of the course of their achieving social organization at any moment um, so this is what we've been calling the practice of social organization and and it has these features of uh of an action being defined as performance of talk and interaction, um, which the participants bring forth and sustain kind of a mutual reference and a mutual understanding uh, that's social in effect because it's, it's aspects of it are literally uh, made to be shared amongst the participants. People coordinate their actions on the basis of these mutual understandings of meanings and contexts. And yet there is no, third thing there's no emerging meaning that has its own kind of form or reality so for example the the simple notion that a symbol or a word will have a causal effect on people's behavior that's a completely wrong notion what we're ha- talking about is more this ongoing achievement of people kind of stuck in their own heads with their brains turning along and yet achieving a type of coordin- coordination that gives us the sense of being real people with selves interacting with real others, and th- thinking that we mutually understand each other, yeah. when really we're just kind of casting things out there and hoping it, it it goes along. And some of the other dynamics of that we talked about in past yeah. podcasts are are this being sustained by you know language language that people share, context, social context that people share, but also their ability to warrant what they're talking about in the immediate built-up history and context of the moment and hold each other accountable to keeping up that invoked context mm-hmm. um, in various ways. And, and that's boiling down quite a lot. Uh, into yeah, no,
0: it, it's, it's a great boil down. And, and I'm, I'll just share an image there of holding accountable. We talk a lot in uh, larger conversations about practice, about leadership. And there are all kinds of, you know, probably more theories and, of leadership than you could stuff in the Johns Hopkins library. And yet what I'm hearing now is that leadership itself could be holding each other accountable in the moment. Right. <laughs> uh, so you have uh, behavior uh, between two or more people that seems to be done in concert and they seem to be moving ahead in time and yet when i you I know i'm you got a lot more to say but i'm just getting this image of uh uh while we are looking for the you know the the tall man you know waving forward for leadership right it could be happening right under our noses in in the way that people are socially enacting uh this accountability yeah
1: but but what what you what people kind of um think of if you were to think about that in the simple way you think of the leader um say, giving a command and that's that's right. a cause and effect upon upon some group of you know soldiers or something moving forward mm-hmm. um they uh or that an organization is it, it turns along because of decisions and decisions having that cause and effect but, but what we're, we're talking about instead is something um that could take something that is abstract, like a cultural tradition or an institution like medical practice and take it down to what's really tangible. Um, what is it that's that's bringing forth those moments of stability that, yeah. that you recognize something like a, a social institution or a context? Yeah. So all those moments, those people building up the situations that that they're engaged in in a moment. Mm-hmm. And so how does that work? How is that a real system dynamic? And, and what doesn't work are simple notions of organization. One of the main ones is the notion of thermodynamic equilibrium, Hmm. which we can see really in some of the earliest social theories. Um, uh, For example, Talcott Parsons had uh, back in the thirties, forties had this notion of structural functionalism so that societal stable societal uh, functions stable uh, stability in society was based on on the knowledge of functions and the ability to to if there were a, a challenge to that function pull back to a sort of an equilibrium that keeps in, in which everyone knows the social norms and, and sticks to them but mm. behind that is an, is an assumption that's much somewhat of a newtonian notion like the swinging of a pendulum Yeah, will, once its energy is lost, come down to a stopping point, that stopping point being the equilibrium point. So as we start building beyond that and looking at what um, Prigogine was studying, you get a very different way of thinking about systems that that show that you, you really can't think of a notion of equilibrium as applying to what people do or what their brains do at all. It just doesn't work. Mm. um, So let's, let's wade in. All right.
0: (laughs) You got me curious now. If there's no, if equilibrium is, is is not going to be the idea of the day, then what is Prigogine helping us uh, see
1: as a a better way of understanding it? Yeah. And, and, so the the model of the of uh, self it's a model of self organizing system dynamics um, and what and in the nice you know we've heard though we've heard that term self organizing before but but there's something real tangible here in his theory that we could actually start thinking of even in the physics of living things what is what is it that that keeps them going what is necessary for example for a cell in the body to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Just thinking of a single cell, you could think of it as, as being a relationship of components, nucleus and mitochondria and, and, and membrane, um, but all of which is in a dynamic relationship. It's never static because a static mm-hmm. cell is a dead cell. Mm-hmm. So it, And it takes uh, an input of energy uh, in order to survive and also an ability to export waste, mm-hmm. which we could think of as entropy the accumulation of which would would be a disruption Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the 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 cells of living system has an ability to adjust to external disruptions which we we could call perturbations sufficient perturbation could affect its integrity parts Mm -hmm. it's membrane rips apart bad things get in and and it dies um so you know, a large enough perturbations could destroy it, but short of that, it's able to adjust and and handle those perturbations, keep its overall integrity of structure mm-hmm. dynamically. And 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 the other interesting things is that cells can work with other cells to get more emergent holes that themselves can have um, organizations that that also maintain a stability in themselves. So you have something that's that becomes kind of coherent is in its function like a liver, and a uh, liver does certain things and it's yeah. necessary for keeping the whole body alive yeah so so it's easy to kind of see some of those um, you know how how things fit together in that way, but um some of the principles that prigogine looked at um and what earned him his double prize was looking at much sim- things initially much simpler than cells, just looking at chemical systems and how. Under different conditions, um, the patterns that emerge uh, in chemical systems uh, have some common characteristics. One of which is that if a system, if a simple chemical system, is taken far from equilibrium, meaning that there's enough input of energy to to keep make to keep it from really settling down into mm-hmm. the basics, which would be just molecules bumping into each other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> If you took a simple system, like, like a, a, a fluid between two metal plates, mm-hmm. and then heat one of the plates, it initially starts a current, in w- and so you get an emerging pattern, which is more than just a, than the, the molecules bumping together, but you get a correlation of large groups of those molecules forming mm-hmm. a flow. And that flow can take on a pattern as it moves from the hot plate and calls, cools into the slow play goes back up to the top you'll see you'll see um, uh, an emerging pattern hmm. um, that uh, has some interesting features uh, because it, it, it you'll see that it remains stable, but it's it's doing it even a fairly simple system could do that to, can re, retain its stability by adjusting to perturbations Hmm. while keeping an overall form. And, and it, with a simple system, it does, it does so in a, in a simple, um, a a, a simple way of, of kind of statistically being more likely to, to have this correlation than not under a certain, you know, given, given its immediate environment, but as you build up into even more complex systems, and then eventually ones that, that are simple life forms then you have these more systematic ways of of like getting rid of the waste and you know adjusting in more complex ways to to the perturbations of its environment and so what are interesting then are 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 when this is achieved um, these, these systems that are able to do that he he called dissipative systems they're dissipative in the sense of of getting rid of entropy while maintaining form um, in 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 their in in the, their uh, dynamic relationships among the, their components, um, all at this far from equilibrium state. So it's in an open environment in which there's sufficient energy coming in, um, and then and it's kind of this existential s- sense of either adjusting to the perturbations in the environment or falling apart.
0: Right. Right on that, right on the very edge of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just right. That's, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you have a sense of stability that is dynamic. It's not stability of a resting point, like, like a pendulum. Mm -hmm. You never get back to those points where there are, um, uh, you know, all, all the, um, molecules involved come back to, to just as kind of stable, stable relationship but all those molecules are still there doing their thing there's still that cause and effect mm-hmm. bumping together it's just a coherency that then has its own properties because it's because you have these larger coherent patterns and so some uh uh so you know kind of getting a little deeper uh, we you know you will often think of stability uh as an evidence of, of some sort of a persistent form. And then the form could be described in abstract terms. Right. Um, You know, so, so there's the cell structure has this abstract uh, wholeness to it, but really you can think of this um, the stability being more of a description of averaging over time. Uh, There's no, Real reference point in any sense. It's just this continual achievement of, of stability. Hmm. So there's no sense of having a pre-deform, predetermined form or whole towards which the system will will, will move. So so often poorly done you know, notions of evolution will think well a a, a a system is evolving towards its ideal state. But um, it's really you know we're talking more about just just a uh, uh, continual achievement of 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 the stability, but it is something that could be called self organizing. Right. So, um, I'm just going to keep blasting on with my <laughs> with my lecture. But no, this uh, is
0: really good. And, and yeah, it's, it's, no, but it's not moving. Nothing's moving. Therefore, to an ideal state, it's just it's just maintaining a state, <laughs> yeah. if you will. You know, uh, it, so. <clears throat> When you're adapting, you are you're gonna sort of flow into a, a different state, but you're still essentially the same. Whatever is flowing, whether it's a chemical
1: or cell structure, or maybe even people. But yeah, yeah, because it's really it's really hard to think of this uh, sense of of um, constant movement and constant in, right r- really in- instability when we're thinking of things that seem very solid in the world, like the meanings of our words or the definition of a situation it really isn't. So, so it's that, that flow state, which one could get in with maybe advanced meditation or something like that.
0: Well, there's a lot there though. A lot
1: of people, the
0: person I had the conversation with last week talk has shifted his whole sort of outlook toward mindfulness in terms Mm -hmm. of organization development and studied a number of different Eastern, thought uh yeah and
1: we probably
0: would be resonating with you right now
1: yeah well i won't take the the talk in that direction yet because there's some interesting implications but um let's look back to prego gene yeah let's look a little more closely about about what self-organizing means in this in, in this sense because what 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 is what is the self uh so if you look at system we can look maybe think about a cell which is a little more complex complex but you can still think of this successful successful organizing being this this um you know adjustment to perturbations in which the dynamic relationships of the components can still continue mm-hmm. and so in doing so there's this there's this distinction this act of distinction that this adjustments bringing forth between you know, the, that which sustains a system and then the environment from which the perturbation arises. And in, in a way it, it creates an environment in, in a meaningful sense because you have this this self not self distinction being sustained mm-hmm. in the sense that if it's successful, the organization is remains intact. If not, this the organization is destroyed. So this and it's self-referencing in a sense that it's the internal relationships amongst the components that by successfully ingesting, sustain something that could be called a self.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And it's certainly not a self in uh, in a conscience sense, but in a way it's doing something very crucial that is common to, to, to what consciousness might be in this very primitive sense That that you have to have this ongoing self-referencing and sustaining of a system or the parts of a system or lots of systems interacting with each other hmm. um, and so so in this sense we call frigogine called the dissipative system self-organizing um, and and this is a very uh, um, important um, part of the chemical, World, but really the living, the living, uh, world of living systems in in particular. Um, some of the interesting features, one perhaps one of the most, was the way that um, dissipative systems change in relation to their environment and, and change in a way that could be um, called evolving in, in some contexts, but in in other ways, just just kind of. This ongoing sense of adjustment. If in in a lot of s- systems, even simple chemical ones, you'll see, um, you know, y- you'll you'll see the system adjust to perturbations in levels of energy and its ability to export entropy up to some degree. But sometimes when it's getting close to that point at which it might be um, destroyed. Uh, if it doesn't successfully adjust, it, will, it can adjust in, in ways, it can adjust in more than one way, basically. There might be s- essentially a few different states in which the system might achieve a successful adjustment to a perturbation. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, a simple amoeba in relation to some, some chemical threat could go one way mm-hmm. or another way. It has to get away from that thing, but it could go left- or it could go right, or up, or down. If it's in a fluid, um, so an interesting thing about the dissipative system is that the the it's two things. One is the choice. There's there's effectively a choice being made, and that choice is something that's a very sudden reconfiguration of at least some of the parts mm-hmm. into some different course. Mm-hmm. Um, but where there are two or more courses, in a very real sense, there's the choice is fundamentally unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, Prigogine made a lot of this, and I, and I think it's true, and we don't have to get too deeply into it, but it gives a very interesting solution to even uh, quantum mechanics. Uh, wow. if, if the listeners ever listen to you know, your, your PBS level versions of, of quantum mechanics. So talk about the observer and the effect of the observer and in, in, in the various experiments where you take a, a shoot particle light through a, a, a slit and it will behave as either a particle or a or a um, wave in mm-hmm. the argument that the observer is is the one that somehow is determining whether it's a particle or a wave. Mm-hmm. This is a much more fundamental sense, which actually physicists will, will say as well that that observation is really this this sense of something is interacting with that which is with 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 that being interacted with so that it um that the probability of possible you know basically before that interaction there's there's a level of probability of what could happen mm-hmm. that then is collapsed into what did happen. Mm-hmm. And so for an amoeba going left to right there's a probability and and only in an abstracted sense of what could be done because it's capable of uh, states being reorganized in a way that will allow it to go left or right and still live. Mm -hmm. And yet there's nothing within that organization itself that you could say predicts which way it will go. And that's very fundamental, even, even at the level of, you know, there's still molecules bumping together. There's no, there's no way of really thinking of that as predicting one, one direction or another. Huh? He, he talked about this in, in, in relation to physics as basically giving an arrow up to time. Um, and I invite people to kind of look for his YouTube, YouTube video, nice, uh, I'm uh, some, of, some of his old lectures he gave to like the, uh, one of the Nobel committees and, uh, it, like a, you know, a Nobel, um, um, Conference and it gets pretty deep, but it, it's very interesting. But it's a it's slightly tangential, but but it to what we're talking about today. But but um, you know, just having that sense of uh, I, was, I think one of the key points is, is having this sense of fundamental un, inability to predict any of the course of relationships in, in either individual systems that have this self-organization or interactions among self-organizing systems. So and I wonder if you're moving to, in that
0: direction. To, yeah. You yeah. You're saying that there's a lot of unpredictability in the eventually when you get to the hierarchy of social, that maybe this is
1: yeah perpetuated. It, that- yeah. It's it's why um when you do look at, at systems dynamics as it's applied, it's largely um there's quite a lot of probability theory right. that comes into it and probability calculations because that's really all all you have in so you're modeling um things and and doing so in complicated ways he 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 uh was one of the early people doing lots of non-linear uh calculations and and kind of the field built up around that oh, oh, since the um um 70s into how to actually model complex systems in this way and it becomes very difficult very fast, which is yeah. why you need, you know, the best supercomputers that uh, yeah. have to be applied to it. And you know, even if you had something like like three a model of three bodies orbiting each other, like mm-hmm. even that becomes <laughs> super complicated to to compute. And you you run out of uh computer capacity pretty, pretty quick, at least for what your iPhone might handle, but so, so, yeah. So, so, you know, the, the thought that you can, um, you know, when you have some things as complex as brains and two people using their brains to interact and with all their memories and history and, um, and all that, you can see how it's a, it's a, you, you can't really model it and have a computer solve it, but what you do have are people trying to solve that problem for each other and for themselves in that moment. Uh-huh. They're they living in that world yeah. of things that seem like they should be stable and should yeah. have predictable outcomes yeah. and largely do for the most part, because, you know, as we're, as you and I are talking, I know you won't break into French and start speaking French. And no, so, no, 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 no. Speaking yeah. French. And so, uh, um and so i don't have to worry about that i don't have to give my energy to that i don't have to give my energy to much at all about how the words are put together into sentences Mm -hmm. because all of that's predictable and yet at a fundamental level maybe it isn't so predictable ah i get it so so we're we're living in a world of, of probability and i think this this theory talks a lot about that um so so you know that that another word for that bifurcation is he calls symmetry breaking symmetry is the notion of of you know kind of that equilibrium stability um where things things that are um perturbable come back to a, a, a simple state um but you never get to that simple state in anything involving interaction of, of living things mm-hmm. um let's see what else is interesting about it uh he talks a little bit about um, how communication might work in a sense, even among simpler, even, you know, cells within a body. Uh, you, you can start thinking of um, living systems as being this relationship of, you know, uh, one's kind of one being an observer in a sense to the other. Um, because you can have one uh, cellular group treating another as a bias properties as a whole rather than as its individual parts.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And by having dynamic relationships built up of these interacting senses of what's whole, you can then get in itself another layer and level of self-organization such as the liver, and that Mm -hmm. becomes stable over time. And then you Mm -hmm. have lots of other things like, well, how does DNA make it so that every time someone's born, they all, they end up with a liver if everything goes well? Mm-hmm. So there's you know so there's like layers and layers and layers of of, of complexity, but also <laughs> stability, <laughs> oh <my laughs> which comes down to the moments of our sitting here having a conversation. Do
0: they have a caution on Prigogine's book saying caution, insanity likely? Yeah, possibly <laughs> as you I read mean, this because it, it uproots and or distorts uh i don't know what the right words would be and it's all good to know because we yeah. we talk a lot about change in this field and i'm not sure i've heard really much definition of change itself other than you know from a one one state of affairs to another or one form to another yeah uh, because we have so to much have some, deeper
1: yeah because we have to never never um we have to be constantly remind ourselves that change is when for human groups uh can never be cause and effect cause and effect simple cause and effect simple stimulus behavior stimulus response behavior simply isn't an applicable description of anything to do with people or their brains or their cells you have to come up with something else um, right. Which is more like describing evolution over time or um we could think about all the systems that are working like this that that we have to deal with constantly as <laughs> and, and are sort of there in the background of any social organization. So you got biological systems, you have the brain very much working like this. Um especially, you know, even the, the way neurons fire. Mm-hmm. Um you can see this as as an evolved capacity for that started with very simple organisms that had mm-hmm. the first nervous systems, but in in the brain, um, I saw a video the other day of um, of uh, a new technique of of watching. Um, Brain cells kind of fire. It it's, uh, can only be done in, in mice because it has a uses a damaging dye. But mm-hmm. it's so, and that they were able to capture it on this on this in slow motions, and how just in half a second you can see all these patterns that just light up, and you really get the sense of these sudden reorganizations. Uh, of, so, yeah. so you can really think of the brain as optimized to to bring itself to these bifurcation points mm-hmm. very rapidly. So in half a second, you can have sudden reorganizations of many parts of the brain all at once.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you get, you know, prefrontal cortex and observation, you, you know, or the, um, for motor basically the ongoing relationships of sensory and motor that are, that are constant and very complex. And using big parts of the brain all correlated and happening at once and then so you have these very fast fast functions but then you also have these slower constraining things which are the the um neurochemicals like dopamine and and uh, which become kind of a, a regulating um, constraint mm-hmm. that that itself can kind of define um uh aspects that really manifest themselves in the real world. So, so dopamine is, is fun when you're trying to uh, go on a diet and (laughs) you've given up sugar. And what happens when you haven't gotten over the craving of sugar is that the dopamine is, is stimulating what me what, what counts as pleasure at that moment. And that pleasure actually makes the prefrontal cortex start to slow down and not light up and next thing you know your motor activity has been has been uh, uh almost in a sense almost taken over by by uh, simpler systems that only require grabbing a cupcake and shoving it into your mouth <laughs> 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 and, uh, and and all oh. our uh, evolved hope homos, uh, sapien minds are, are reduced to yeah to something much simpler but yeah, we're um, just gobblers and, yeah yeah we yeah. become gobblers yeah. I'm curious,
0: uh, I know I, 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 we're going to continue this conversation beyond be the recording, and, because I, there's so much for me to learn here, Dave. But I, I wonder, I keep having this sense of where is consciousness in this discussion, particularly as we move to the living side of things and up to our, not up, maybe not up to, but out to we humans. One thing that I'm pretty sure of that so, the soci, sociology, social psychologies, and other ologies uh, have given us this idea of conscience, a mm-hmm. consciousness, mm-hmm. which then maybe gives us the notion that we're controlling things. Yeah. A la, here we have organizations, cultures, rules, and all the rest. But what I'm hearing you talking about in interpreting Prigogine is Eh, it may not be consciousness
1: the way we think it is. So what's your thought on that? Well, I think what wait we could think of our brains initially as a very complex community mm-hmm. in itself, of in which some a lot of what is even even as we look into a room and look at it and, and see you know where's the cupcake. In the mm-hmm. real sense there's there's this um self-preservation dynamic going on in which uh we you know all the animals evolved to want this the sweetest richest um uh food source mm-hmm. in the environment and the, the food industry has has made an art form of providing us the very most uh desirable foods yeah incredibly abundant so um and that and i've seen some some models that show that that's literally part of raw perception but itself and all of it being so the but the old notion that all of these complex systems have this internal self-reference mm. then you have self after self after self and in the real sense you have consciousness amongst the liver consciousness in the heart in mm. in, in it Consciousness in the gut by bacteria of a sort, mm-hmm. because all of it is this, this, this um, emergent uh, uh, perception of a certain sort as mm-hmm. things successfully adjust to perturbations to the mm-hmm. to the uh, you know, organizational closure of of, of, of its parts. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so and then we, you know you could go deeper and say that that there are conscious experience as we talk to ourselves. We're getting back into that social and sense we talk to ourselves but what is talking who is talking i read in an earlier podcast we talked about george herbert Mead, the i and the me that's right the me being the 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 emergent symbolic talked about thing but the i doing the talking that i is itself in a kind of an emergent community of lots of things uh (laughs) some of which involve the ability to put things into words. And, and, but it's that, that sense of this recursive um, uh, emergent self that, you know, finally, we may have an argument for a materialist sense of self in which, um, because when this happens, one has the experience of self, and it's sufficient to describe it in this way. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that's fully the case, but at least it gives, it takes, takes us pretty far into a materialist notion of self. There's yeah. a, there's, a, there's a hot debates about idealism still. It's yeah, been yeah. for 300 years. Yeah, there's still yeah. Hot debates about whether idealism or materialism adequately describes consciousness. Yeah. Uh, i I'm, I'm not taking a strong stand on it either because I got some way out notions in which, in which uh, <laughs> one can argue in different ways, but we'll save uh, that for I, another.
0: No, but I, I, okay. I would think, I would think um, for many reasons, this particular conversation is additive to what we build up, not only you and I, but the whole, the whole sort of uh, seeking. Mm-hmm. Behavior that I've been uh, exhibiting, doing for months and months and months, it's it's sort of like uh, self self organizing in the way it feels in, in, inside to me. Uh, always looking for one more of a dollop of of explanation or evidence or or something that will. Feed the sweetness of ideas, if you will. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. and so when I'm entering into conversation, at some level I'm just I'm, I'm I'm not thinking and saying I'm being in a way with that other person, so that for a few moments of time, we're maybe both of our our deeper beings are just trying to uh, stay uh going you know keep going yeah keep going going. yeah exactly that's our our common cause is yeah to keep going yeah but it (laughs) should give us to not dissipate
1: (laughs) yes and it should give us a sense of humility uh especially the notion that we can't we can't really control and we can't even predict well so in in, in, again the leadership Mm -hmm. to understand what's what's real about social and, and going back to is there really why hasn't this Notion of social organization penetrated. Since it's, it's certainly understood in the biological world, it's certainly understood. It's increasingly yeah. understood in the brain. Yeah. Why not at the social world? What's yeah. happened? Why? You, you know. And
0: I think you used the word hubris, and I think that's a clue. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, we would would be an enormous denial to think that we there's only a small part of our whole that we are consciously controlling at any moment. And, and the rest of us is just, you Mm -hmm. know, doing something differently than being controlled. And we don't want to know, we don't want to call it. And we don't want to claim it because we can't take credit for it in a way, you know, that's how things work. We, we have these Western, these ideas that we, so we reject it. And you know, we and we take people like that philosopher, chemist, and we say, Okay, here's your prize, but go away. And right. and then he becomes obscure.
1: Yeah, because so. he's explaining why leaders are mostly just covering their ass and and, <laughs> and keeping keeping their own crimes hidden or whatever. Oh, and, yeah. Or or like you can look at the stock market, which isn't isn't predictable. And so the the best players of in the stock market have figured out how to cheat and control the system, yeah. because it's not predictable. <laughs> well, so yeah, there's a know. lot
0: more to learn. But I thank you I, again, always, uh, because we we are looking at uh, practice as behavior, and mm-hmm. behavior is uh, exquisitely obscure in mm-hmm. in the sense of what you just said. What we see is not. Well, we can see people behaving you know acts as we'd call them there's so much more that goes on in around, above, and through that that is dynamic and is constantly being bumped up or hitting perturbations mm-hmm. and uh could instantly send that in a whole other direction uh and we wouldn't even notice, yeah,
1: yeah, so so I maybe if whoa, I, if I took a uh, Two minutes, maybe I, I will All right. sum up we what get, we talked about. Bringing we get it back to, to our uh, because we're adding something to our theory of okay of social inaction, which which is only on these podcasts because I never sit down and write it up on our website. But right. it's apart from that, it's here, record. So social inaction. If you were, so thinking of social inaction as a dissipative system, dissipative self organizing organizing system. We we we're given. We already have as a given. This is a far something far from equilibrium. There's no thermodynamic equilibrium involved because people are using their brains. Mm -hmm. They're not in a coma. So, and then you have this, this performance, the sense of performance in the moment moment in action as performance. There's an immediate environment. We're looking, focusing on that. We're focusing on what's being brought forth. This Mm -hmm. mutuality of systematic behavior amongst two self to a more self organizing entities and so we can think of talk and the practices themselves as being sustained as though they're a living thing as though the language brought forth has this sense of being either held together or falling apart yeah i get and it the, and the people systematically have the ability to adjust to each other's mutual understanding wow. um so so you can think of of a change of of a course of a conversation for example as evolving um, but always as this, whatever the current con- conditions are moving forward or falling apart moment by moment, that's why we focus on talk, looking at recordings mm-hmm. to understand practice as it happens. Yeah. And we can think of the nature of change as maybe moving through these bifurcation points, these sudden reorganizations. And this might be very interesting to look at talk in this way. Yeah. How do people come up with new ideas um, together? Um, yeah. Uh, and also thinking of how social action is is fundamentally unpredictable in this sense. Um, and then and then we could also that third part of an action warranting uh, behavior what that comes before holding each other accountable um you know so as there's in this existential sense of what sustain involves um you know looking at uh, um, how people deal with uh, perturbation and adjustment, uh, hold each other accountable um or even accountable by referencing the relationship to wider systems which they're a part so mm-hmm. context social history immediate history everything that had occurred becomes a past has to be reinvoked, resurrected in this sense of, of making it real for the moment of social inaction and then um so you know this gives us a little more tools for understanding how accountability works um Wow, so wow <laughs> so when I retire, I'll write another dissertation. No, I well, you
0: know I'm glad you know but you you get you've got you' got proof right here that this this way of thinking that you have has not gone away. it hasn't faded over the years. Uh, it's still important to you similar to what I said about my notion of sink uh, feeling always seeking, seeking, seeking mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes we lock that on a question or something that we can um, you know, like a, the chasing around the corner kind of thing. Uh, and in your case, I know I've known you a long while and I've known you all your life and yeah. you have, uh, a lot of things you do, but you always, uh, seeking the deeper, deeper understanding of systems. And, uh, as we, uh, as we go forward, I think it's going to, Make this a really classy podcast. We'll <laughs> <laughs> see. Yeah. But yeah. thank, but thank oh, you, God. Dave. It's been another good one. Yeah. I'll think of something else for next time soon. Frigogine. No, that's an. Yeah.
1: Ilya Frigogine. Ilya Jean. Okay. I'm going to look for those videos. They're yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Put his name into YouTube and, and All right. heavy stuff, but there's some good ones out there. Check it out, folks. Thank you, Dave.
0: If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearchcom slash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.